chance to win it right here. Special for Carr. Off the bounce. Big time. That car will drive. Are you kidding me? This is Niederreiter holding on to it. And he scores. Nino Niederreiter wins the series for the Minnesota Wild. Fred Favre goes back to pass. He pumps. Now he fires over the middle. Intercepted. I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. It was intercepted by Tracy Porter. Near side to the 40. And John Sullivan runs him down at the 47-yard line. You've got to be kidding me. I can't believe what I just saw. That strike three from Presley. And the Astros win it 3-1. to one, And they sweep the wild card series. Two games to none. Holding the Twins offense completely in check. With the sixth pick in the 2009 NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select Johnny Flynn from Syracuse University. Heartbreaking losses, questionable wins, and unquestionable fandom. This is your source for Minnesota sports talk. This is Land of 10,000 Tears with your host, Brett Lindbergh. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Lindbergh, and I am your host for Land of 10,000 Tears. I know what you're probably thinking. Why haven't I published an episode recently? Well, your boy got a job, so I have been pretty busy over the last couple of days just doing work-related stuff, trying to be an adult. And obviously I've been watching sports when I have the opportunity to, but it's taken up a lot of my time and haven't really had any opportunity to get to the mic. But I have some time now, and we've got a good show to talk about. Today's episode is brought to you by Skydive Twin Cities. Today, it is 65 degrees out. It's sunny. Barely any clouds in the sky. It would be a great day to go to Skydive Twin Cities in Baldwin, Wisconsin. A lot of great people there that are willing to take you on a tandem skydive, or you can entertain the idea of the first jump course where you jump out of the plane by yourself. It's awesome. I did it. Take my word for it. That's Skydive Twin Cities. Give them a shot. Book your skydive today. So I've got a pretty packed show. That's probably because I haven't covered anything over the last like two weeks. But I'm going to start with some gopher basketball because Ben Johnson is hitting it hard on the recruiting trail. Whether that's transfers or high school seniors who haven't committed yet, he's working hard. And just last week, he got two more transfers to commit. The first one being a former Minnesota Gopher, Peyton Willis, who transferred out of Minnesota two years ago, and now he's back. He wants to play under Ben Johnson. I know he was probably recruited by Ben Johnson, and now that he's the head coach, I think he likes the fit. So Peyton Willis is coming back. He's a shooting guard. Great from three. That's what we need. As you all know, that last year, three-point shooting was terrible, so he should help there. And then this one's interesting. Parker Fox, he's from Matamidi, Minnesota, and he was at Northern State University, which is a Division II school, but he was an All-American. He's about 6'8", super athletic, has pretty much all the tools you need for a Division I basketball player, and that's why he's transitioning to D1. So he gets another Minnesota kid to come play, and that's exciting. So he's slowly but surely forming a roster that they'll actually be able to throw out onto the court next year, as opposed to some random kids that are just going to be filling out the rest of the roster. But I'm excited. That's basically what I got for Gopher basketball news. But in other Minnesota basketball-related news, Chet Holmgren, high school senior at Minnehaha Academy, he's also the number one 
ranked player in this year's class, he made a commitment on Monday. He was choosing between Gonzaga, Minnesota, Duke, Kentucky, all these random schools, and he ultimately chose Gonzaga. And I think Jalen Suggs probably had something to do with that. And Jalen Suggs also declared for the draft, so I don't know if it was necessarily all that big of a deal to him that Suggs wasn't going to be there. I think he wanted to be on a team that's going to compete for a championship, and Gonzaga looks like they're going to be really good next year. So they get the number one recruit. Chet Holmgren, seven feet tall, can shoot the three, but he plays under the rim, literally blocks every single shot in the area. It's pretty absurd actually and it was kind of interesting that he was even considering Minnesota I think he's probably just doing that as an act of courtesy but still I mean there was never really any chance he was gonna go here so I I had my hopes up a little bit but that was not really ever gonna happen although he would have been the best player to ever play at Minnesota by far I don't think there's any arguments there so that would have been cool that was probably one of the better pitches they could have given as far as trying to get Chet Holmgren to stay in his home state but yeah not gonna happen I'm gonna transition now to some gopher football news because the draft is a week from today that's Thursday April 29th a week from today the gophers have two players eligible for the draft this year those two being household name Rashad Bateman and also defensive back Benjamin St. Juiced. So I've been hearing a lot of things about Bateman being a potential first round pick, and I believe he could be, but it's important to note that there are a ton of players that have first round talent that are also potential first round picks. There are probably upwards of 50 players who are first round talents. That's why when the draft is held in person, they have like 55 guys in attendance but it doesn't mean that he's going to go first round. I hope he does. I think he's easily one of the top five receivers, but that doesn't mean he's going to get taken. If you think about it, like Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell are going to be off the board pretty early. That would leave some room later on, maybe like the final 20 picks of the first round for him to maybe hear his name called. But if it doesn't, he's for sure going to go off the board in the second round. And then Benjamin St. Juice is interesting. I've heard things about him going as early as the second round, but I think more likely to be third and at the latest, the fourth round. For some reason, they really like him. They like his size, his speed, his hips, his quickness. But I honestly wasn't all that impressed with him at Minnesota. I, I don't know what to think. Like He played on a team with Antoine Winfield Jr. and Carter Coughlin and Kamal Martin, all those guys, and he didn't stand out like an NFL talent and those guys all got drafted. So that's what I'm thinking is like, I don't know. And hopefully he gets drafted and he's good and I'm wrong, but you never know. It's not like he was out there making crazy plays like Antoine Winfield Jr. was. So just remains to be seen a week from today in the draft. And I want to talk about Trey Lance very briefly because ESPN did a feature on his upbringing as a Minnesota kid and how he ended up at NDSU. It was very interesting. And I know a little bit about this, but if you don't, he's from Marshall, Minnesota. And all his life, he's really been a fan of the Minnesota Gophers. And 
when it got to him playing high school football. He had always had his sights set on playing quarterback at the University of Minnesota. But there was just one problem, is that P.J. Fleck didn't really want him to play quarterback. He recruited him as an athlete. And I think he was planning on playing him at corner or safety or something, because obviously Trey is a very good athlete. He's fast. He's a physical kid. He's big, 6'5". Like, you know, he packs a punch. But he's also got this finesse, this leadership, and this drive to play quarterback. And for some reason, P.J. Fleck didn't think about it. I don't know. You missed on that one. So they offered him to play as an athlete, but he wanted to play quarterback. So that limited his options. And NDSU offered him to play quarterback. And still kind of close to his hometown, Marshall, Minnesota, Fargo, a couple hours away. But he had an opportunity to play almost instantly. And so obviously he won the starting job as a sophomore. So yeah, it, it turned out well. He also had offers to play defense at Iowa. So it's not like he couldn't have gone elsewhere, but he really had his goal set on playing quarterback. And he had a successful career in North Dakota, and I'm sure if you asked him, he wouldn't have regretted going there at all. Obviously, he went undefeated and won a national championship. So I don't think he's going to regret that at all, but I bet you he still has a chip on his shoulder about Minnesota not offering him, being that that was the school he wanted to play for, or maybe just in general that other schools weren't willing to take the risk of him playing quarterback there. So he's going to get drafted this year. In the first round, most likely, it would be a travesty if he fell out of the first round. I mean, some people are even talking about him being top three quarterback off the board, and that would be amazing. And it really just depends on the mock draft that you look at, but some have him going top three, some have him going 15 to the Patriots, or maybe going like in the top 10. It it just depends which insider ranks their quarterbacks do they have mac jones as the number three player or do they have justin fields or do they have zach wilson or is it trey lance like all these names are getting thrown around and i think all of those guys are going to get drafted in the first round anyway i am just going to pay attention to where trey lance is going though because he is the minnesota kid and you kind of just wonder what would have been being a minnesota sports fan but wish him the best honestly Sorry to interrupt this portion of the show, but my friends with North Coast Craftsmen want to know how you're watching your next game. Are you pulling your favorite bottle off the shelf and relaxing the afternoon or hosting guys night? However you take in your sports, make sure you join the North Coast and let them craft your next game day experience. These guys will build you your dream bar for that man cave you've been talking to your wife about or hook you up with a summer grilling cooler for tailgating. They can even craft you a convenient bottle opener or an awesome whiskey rack. They even do custom wood burning for your favorite team logos. Be sure to check out their Facebook and YouTube pages to find out how you can join another winning team and become a North Coaster today. Well, I don't know about winning teams because this is a Minnesota sports podcast, but we're going to segue into... uh, borderline winning team and that is the minnesota vikings and you know the reason i say borderline is because here and there they'll have a above 500 season so we're talking minnesota vikings and like i said in the last segment the draft is a week away and i wanted to go into what they might do obviously they're picking 14 and they must have a plan on what they would do but it all hinges on the first 13 players in the draft that sounds obvious but seriously 
if they have a guy fall to them that they didn't expect to fall, I don't know what they're going to do. If Trey Lance falls to Minnesota at 14, and I'm Rick Spielman, me, I would take him just because of what could be. But hey, maybe Mac Jones falls. I don't know. Personally, I don't really want Mac Jones. We already have troubles with Kirk Cousins and his mobility. Mac Jones is like a sack of potatoes. He throws a good ball, don't get me wrong, and he's got good stature in the pocket, but he's not going to move. And if our O-line's bad, that's not going to do us any good. And I'm not talking about them playing this year, but you do have to have a backup plan, and Kirk Cousins is making a lot of money. Let's just leave it at that. So what could they do? Well, it's an immediate need to draft O-line doesn't have to be first round but they don't have a second round pick at the moment they have three third round picks and they have four fourth round picks so they could use some of those picks to try to get into the second round and maybe draft an offensive lineman there so if they do that that means that with their first round pick they can go elsewhere perhaps corner because one of their first round picks last year jeff gladney is finding himself in a bit of a legal predicament and I have no idea if he's ever going to play football again. If there's video for what he did, then I wouldn't expect it. I don't expect him to be on the team, but that leaves an opening for corner. So they could entertain that idea. And I know the Vikings just got Patrick Peterson, and then they also acquired Mackenzie Alexander. And I'm excited about those moves, but it doesn't mean that you can't continue to grow that group. The defensive backfield is a position group that you constantly need depth at. It's not just you draft one here and you're good because an injury kind of ruins that for you. You need to have a lot of guys that you can plug and play. And especially losing Jeff Gladney, I expect them to take a corner in the first three rounds probably. But I don't know if they'll use their first round pick on it. I probably wouldn't, but... Maybe somebody really, really good falls to you. Maybe like a Patrick Sertan. Maybe they decide they're going to continue to bolster their defensive line and they could go after somebody like uh, Jalen Phillips from Miami who's an edge rusher who might be available at that point. And he's a really good player, but he has some huge health concerns. So I don't know. I mean, there's a risk involved with that as well. I would love it if they went after a receiver But in doing so, that depends who is available. I'm not just saying take the best available because the best available might not be one of the top four guys. It could be like a Kadarius Toney. Well, I don't think that he's worth taking at 14, especially when wide receiver isn't a position of need. You could maybe even get him if you slide into the second round. Well, talking about sliding into the second round, the Vikings could also trade back. They could take this 14th pick, and they could offer up one of their many fourth-round picks, switch, and get a late first-round pick, and potentially a second-round pick, because then you get to wait a little bit longer, see if there's some offensive line talent that slip, or some defensive line talent that slip, and then you get yourself into the second round. And whatever position you don't address in the first round, you can do it in the second round. So I think... The top three positions of need are offensive line, defensive line, and then probably corner. And I mean, it's not crazy, but it's not like you can just neglect it. They do have to draft corners 
at some point. At least two of them with the 12 picks that they have right now. If you don't take two corners with the 12 picks that you have, that's just a failure. You have to. I also think that you need to consider taking a receiver within the third or fourth round because you have a lot of those picks. You don't have to take one in the first, although that might be exciting depending on who's available. So that's what I'm thinking. Corner or receiver with the later round picks. Make sure you address offensive line and defensive line early. Those are the position groups that they need the most help with right now. And I think you probably agree with me on that one. Most analysts are thinking the same thing right now. I'm not an analyst, but I could be. Self-proclaimed, at least. So I'm going to take the time to switch into some other Minnesota sports. We're going to talk Minnesota Wild because they are one of the only teams that haven't been disappointing us. So last week, the trade deadline came and went, and the Wild didn't make any moves. And I think there's a reason for that, and their GM came out and said, hey, yeah, we want to win now, but we don't want to give up any pieces that we can develop for the future. And I understand. I don't necessarily think the Wild have a shot at winning the Stanley Cup this year. Obviously, I think it'd be amazing. I'm all for it. But they may not even get out of the West, being that Colorado is as good as they are. So no, I don't think that they should trade any of their young talent because maybe Colorado's window is shrinking. They're going for it all now. Well, we can wait a little while. I mean, we're Minnesota sports fans. You can play the waiting game. But don't give up anybody that you might potentially wish you had, knowing that this year isn't our year. So with that being said, the Wild have begun contract extension talks with Kirill Kaprizov. Kirill the Thrill. Dollar Dollar Bill. Hopefully, they can lock him up for like the remainder of his career that'd be amazing sign him to a 10-year deal pay him whatever you have to he is a national treasure the kid's so cute and he's amazing at hockey he had a goal last night that was absolutely insane i'll talk about it in a little bit so the wild entered into their final two-game stretch against the arizona coyotes over the last few days And the Wild had won five out of six going into these final two games. They're being played out in Arizona. And to be honest, the Wild should absolutely always beat Arizona. So yeah, I expected them to go seven out of eight against them in an eight-game stretch. Yeah, I absolutely did. I expected that against San Jose and the Ducks and the Kings. And that's not possible because they've already lost two games to some of those teams. But yes, I expected it. Because they only play good teams like one every four games. So what happened in the first game? Well, the Wild go out there, first period, get in on the power play. Our guy, Kirill the Thrill, Dalla Dalla Bill, Kaprizov, gets a goal. Assisted by Nick Bonino and Kevin Fiala. But right after that, Arizona gets one from Christian Fisher. So that makes it 1-1 going into the second period. But then... The Wild really applied the pressure. Jordan Greenway got one, assisted by Marcus Foligno, and it's nice to have him back. He's a nice physical body to have out there, really good leader on the team, physical, plays hard, knows what he's doing. So yeah, I'm happy to have him back. And then the Wild got on the power play again, and Marcus Johansson scored, assisted by Matt Dumba and Ryan Suter. So it was 3-1 to at that point going into the third, 
But Arizona decided they wanted to make it interesting right away. They got a goal by Alec Goligoski, assisted by Jakob Chichrun and Clayton Keller. So that makes it 3-2. But the Wild decided that they weren't done either. Kevin Fiala got a goal, assisted by Carson Soucy and Ian Cole. And then Jonas Brodeen scored on an empty netter. Matt Dumba and Nick Benino get the assist. That made it 5-2, to two, and I said empty netter. That was a final minute goal. Yeah, I mean, I expected that. To win 5-2, to two, that game made this season series 6-1 and one for the Minnesota Wild with one game left to play. That took place last night, and it seemed like the Wild were still riding high from the game before in the first period because they came out a little bit flat and find themselves shorthanded. Arizona scored on the power play. Christian Dvorak assisted by Lane Peterson and Phil Kessel, making it 1-0. And the Wild wouldn't get one in the first period, so let's get to the second. Well, they got one there. Kevin Fiala assisted by Nico Sturm and Ian Cole, making it 1-1. And then let's go to the third period, because there was nothing else that happened. The Wild got after it in the third period. By then, they were ready to go. Marcus Foligno assisted by Joel Erickson-Eck and Jordan Greenway right after that. This is the goal that I thought was absolutely amazing. Kirill Kaprizov, assisted by Matt Zuccarello. So Kaprizov gets a pass right around where the blue line is, and it gives him the opportunity to take the goalie on one-on-one with a defender pretty much breathing down his neck. So the defender starts kind of bumping him, back-checking him, trying to get him to stumble up, and he loses the puck initially. And so the goalie can take a deep sigh of relief. But when Kirill Kaprizov decides that he wants to do a wraparound, you cannot take that deep breath. You have to buckle down. Because Kirill Kaprizov understands that this is a game of inches. So he took the puck, wrapped it all the way around, literally laid out, full extension, flicks the puck, Five holes the goalie before there was any opportunity for him to actually make a move, and he netted it. And at that point, it was 2-1. to This goal made it 3-1. to That goal took place with a minute and 40 seconds to go, and Arizona had an actual shot at winning that game, or tying it at least to go to overtime, because we know that eventually they were going to pull their goalie. So that goal makes it 3-1, to Huge sigh of relief on Minnesota's side, but you know what they say. A two-goal lead is the worst lead in hockey. I don't really know how you figure, but ever since I heard that, I get scared when my team's up 2-0. So after that goal, Arizona decided to pull their goalie because they were going to try to make a push over the final minute and 30 seconds. But they turned the puck over, and Nico Sturm makes one from about three quarters ice makes it four to one so that iced the game over that is the one thing you can't do if you pull your goalie you have to maintain puck control and they didn't but i understand why it's because they're not that good minnesota is actually pretty good they're one of the only minnesota sports teams that actually wants to win so that ended the series the wild took seven out of eight against arizona for the season that is impressive I don't remember the one loss. I just don't. I'm guessing they laid an egg because if you beat a team seven times, you probably could have beat them 10 times, 15 times. You get it. You're better than them. 
So the Wild are back in action tomorrow night at the LA Kings, followed by a game against the San Jose Sharks. And then the season wraps up three games against the Blues, two against Vegas, two against Anaheim, and then two against the Blues. I fully expect them to win every single game, and I know that's not going to happen, but I expect that to happen because they've proven that they can beat all of those teams, especially Vegas, who's in first place right now. But I do think the Wild can beat them. They've already beaten them four out of six times, and they should have beaten them five out of six times because they choked their first game against them at Vegas. I expect them to win. I think they can make a run at maybe second place. It would be an absolute collapse on Colorado's part if Minnesota won the division, but you know what? It doesn't really matter because the playoffs unfold as follows. You basically play the teams in your division who make the playoffs. The one versus the four seed, so that'd be Vegas versus Arizona, and then two versus three, and right now Colorado's in the two spot, so then Minnesota would play them, but I think Colorado is still going to make a run for first place in this division. Either way, you're going to play a team that you've already played. And I wish that they were going to do it differently. I wish they were going to stack you up against somebody else. So, for example, the West Division going up against the North Division. So you would have something like this. The Maple Leafs taking on Arizona. The Jets taking on the Wild. You would have Colorado taking on Edmonton. You would have Vegas taking on Montreal. Like, hey, I want to see them go up against a team that they haven't played against this entire season. That is all I ask. I want to know where they stack up. And if they lose, they lose. Like I said before, this is not their year. They're not going to win at all this year. Even if they win their first round matchup, they're going to get paired up against a really, really good team. And they're going to have to play perfect hockey to advance out of the second round. So I don't necessarily see it this year but the future is bright. Before I go into the next segment about another Minnesota sports team with a bright future, it's time to recognize another sponsor, and that is Ted's Pizza, located at 306 Main Street, East Menominee, Wisconsin. Literally buy a pizza with shrimp on it. Just try it. You won't regret it. Ted's Pizza. Taste the homemade difference. So it's now time to talk Minnesota Timberwolves. That is the team I was referring to that has a bright future, because they do. I don't care what you say. They are a few tweaks in strategy and player development away from being a pretty decent team. Because Carl Anthony Towns is going to be there. D'Angelo Russell is going to be there. Beasley is going to be there. And you have Anthony Edwards. And fingers crossed, you have a top three pick this year. I don't know how that's not a successful team going forward. Especially with all of the good players in the league getting older. Minnesota staying young. It's awesome. I keep getting older, but they keep staying the same age. Matthew McConaughey. But yeah, I'm excited about Minnesota going into next season. Right now, I'm not. I want them to lose every single game, and you guys know that because I say that every single episode. But right now, it's important because Minnesota is towing the line between being the worst team in the league and then falling out of the top three. Changes depending on the night. And it can't. I really don't want it to. There's only a couple more games left this season, and they've really been trying to break through. They play teams tough every single night. Sometimes they win. A lot of games have come down to final couple minutes or some really off shooting by Minnesota 
where they would have a way different record, but they wouldn't even be close to making the playoffs. So that's why it's like, hey, buckle down and lose games. <laughs> it sounds funny to say it that way, but seriously. So let's get into it. The last two nights, the Wolves have been matched up against the Sacramento Kings. And in the first game, there was absolutely no defense being played. There were 254 total points scored in that game. And I'm going to let you try to figure out who won. At the end of the first quarter, the Kings were up 43-39. to And at the half, the game was tied at 74. And 74 is a ton of points, but like I said, there were no defense being played. Just literally none. For the most part, it was a good shooting night for both teams. The Wolves shot 57% from the field. Sacramento shot 45, which is, you know, fine, but not bad. And Sacramento shot 43% from three. That's really good. The Wolves shot 42% from three, and that's way better than what they usually shoot. Free throw percentage, Wolves at 74%, Sacramento at 88%. Wolves had 18 turnovers, but they had 34 assists, so kind of counteracting that a little bit. Who was good in tonight's game? Anthony Edwards, 28 points, 11-21 from the field, 5-12 of from three. Yeah, he shot 12 threes, but he made five of them. If he made one more, that would have been 50%. So yeah, I have no problem with that. Carl Anthony Towns, 26 points, 9 of 17, 4 of 9 from the field. He shot a good percentage. After that, you go down to the bench where D'Angelo Russell's playing, and he had 28, 10 of 13 from the field, and 6 of 8 from 3. This is what I was talking about. If you have all three of those guys on the floor, there is a serious chance that somebody is going to have a breakout game. This one, for example, they all did. But that's because Sacramento sucks. But think about it. You have three really good players on a team. What team in the league can lock down all of them? One of them is going to have a mismatch, or he's going to have opportunities to make plays. In this game, Cat, Edwards, and Russell all did that. They all shot a great percentage. Just imagine how Malik Beasley will help space the floor even more it's just it's exciting and I know this is all hypothetical this is talk this is all about what's on paper and they have to all play together they haven't honestly they've maybe all been together for like one game seriously they haven't so who else was good well Jaden McDaniels had 13 points Josh Okogie had 10 Nas Reed had 10 what about Sacramento so Sacramento had Harrison Barnes 20 points Maurice Harkless, 20 points. De'Aaron Fox, 14 points. Buddy Heald, 11 points. Hassan Whiteside, 12 points. 14 for DeLon Wright. Some guy with the last name Metu had 16. That is a lot. That's seven guys in double digits. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, there was no defense being played. So, based on what I had said, who do you think won the game? You might be surprised. But the Timberwolves had three quarters where they scored 35-plus points. And they had one quarter where they scored 25. So that was the outlier. But the Wolves won this game pretty easily, 134-120, because the Kings only scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. So yeah, that was interesting. I don't know why Minnesota has to shoot that well in a game against a bad team that you want to lose. You can't just be out here shooting the lights out from three. 
with no consequences. Well, the consequence is rather large because if you play yourself out of the top three, you don't have a high percentage of getting the number one overall pick. You have to be a top three or bottom three team. Why do I always say that? I have to continue to preach this. There are only a couple games left in the season, but let's get to last night's game. Last night was more like the Timberwolves, although it was a very similar game to the night before that. No defense being played. After the Wolves had stolen that win two nights ago, they really deserved to give back a win to Sacramento. And they did. It was awesome. The Wolves still played all right. They scored 125 points. They just gave up 128. Cat had a good game, 26 points, 3 of 6 from 3-point land. Anthony Edwards had 16 points. D'Angelo Russell had 15 points. Nas Reed had 24, and Wancho Hernan Gomez had 16. Ricky Rubio even had 11. Like, it was a decent night offensively. They just don't play defense ever. They gave up 43 points in the first quarter. After that, they kind of played better defense. Like, they gave up 33 in the fourth and didn't score that many. But, yeah, you get it. I mean, really, it was just that outlier quarter where they gave out 44. So let's look at the percentages. This is interesting. Both teams shot really well again. 53% for Minnesota from the field, 58% for Sacramento, 44% from three for Minnesota, 52% for Sacramento. Free throws, they both shot 81%. They were even on assists, even on turnovers, even on rebounds, even on blocks, even on steals, even on personal fouls. This game was a tale of literally the same team playing each other, and neither of them wanted to win. Minnesota actually prevailed, though, so I thank them for that. There are only a few games left, and you can't be out here trying to win games. You just can't. I think the front office and Chris Finch are finding sneaky ways to prevent this team from winning because they understand what's at stake. What do I mean by that? Well, for example, Malik Beasley probably not going to play the rest of the season. There are 12 games left. He's got an injury. But it's not like they're rushing him back because there's no reason to. There's no reason for him to play. I'm sure he has a timetable that would get him back to the point to where he could play before the season is over. But why would you do that? So that's one example. The other one is starting Ricky Rubio at point guard over D'Angelo Russell. I'm all good with that. I'm fine with that. Whatever that means. I just think Ricky Rubio is very inferior as far as putting him out there as a starter when you have D'Angelo Russell. But I'm not complaining. I'm really not. I'm just trying to understand. I think Gerson Rosas knows that this team, if they land a top three pick and get it right, that they could actually be a competitor. So, yeah, I don't think they're actually putting forth 100% effort. I don't think they're doing their best. I think they're disguising things. I mean, you look at a lineup they put in the game, And I'm not sure that any of those guys would even be on another team. It's like Jordan McLaughlin, Jared Vanderbilt, Josh Okoge, Nas Reed, and then like Ricky Rubio or Jake Lehman. Yeah, I mean, that roster, if that's out on the court, I don't expect them to score. 
I don't expect them to get stops, and I sure as hell don't expect them to get wins. That's also what I mean. I think they understand, like, hey, you don't need to run Cat or Edwards or D'Lo all that much. Give them their normal playing time, and that's it. Because you don't want to run the risk of injury or burnout, and honestly, you don't want to win. You just don't. They get it, and I'm excited about that. So the Wolves are back in action on Saturday against the Jazz. That's a team that should easily beat Minnesota. I hope that they don't even keep it close. I hope it's a blowout. I don't want to be sitting there wondering how it's even a close game. But if that's the case, Minnesota will blow it late, so it doesn't matter. So there's 12 games left this season. Here's a prediction. If they lose nine or more, then I really like our chances at being in the top three could even stay in last place so if you look at the standings right now minnesota still in the bottom three and in fact they've been overthrown as the worst team in the league because they got a win a couple nights ago the rockets are a half game ahead in the number one draft spot right now at 15 and 44 the wolves are 16 and 44 the rockets are terrible In the three spot is the Detroit Pistons at 18 and 41. In the four spot is the Magic at 18 and 40. So those are the teams to look out for. You look at the schedule going forward, the Wolves have two games against the Jazz, then they go Rockets, where you have to lose that one. The Rockets are bad, but you want that number one pick? lose to the Rockets. Then they got to face the Warriors, and Steph's going off, so they'll lose that game. The Pelicans, who are a decent team. The Grizzlies, who are a decent team. Miami, not very good, but they have good players, so we'll see. The Magic, terrible. Detroit is terrible. Denver is good. Boston should beat us, and Dallas should beat us. So you think about it. They should probably lose two to the Jazz, then the Warriors, then the Pelicans, the Grizzlies. They should lose to Boston. They should lose to the Mavs. And then you sprinkle in any of those in here and there. They could beat the Rockets. They could beat the Magic, and they could beat the Pistons. But every other game, I expect them to lose. So that's the breakdown, 12 games left. Hopefully they tank it out, but I don't know. Speaking of tanking, if it weren't a 162-game season... The Twins would be tanking, and this is just horrific baseball as of late. Like I've been able to watch them here and there or listen to them, and it's just disgusting. They have lost nine of their last ten. I swear, they have lost in the worst fashion possible three different times this year to the point where it's like they keep lowering the bar, and at some point I sit there like, oh, well, they can't do worse than that, but then they do. You look at this interesting piece of data the twins have lost games this year in which they had win expectancies of 98.3 percent 98.1 percent and 95.5 percent the odds of them losing all of them are 0.0015 percent so that's pretty impressive like that's timberwolves level impressive i don't get it first it was the brewers then it was the mariners last night It was Oakland. And I don't even really want to talk about it, but I have to. So essentially, the Twins played Oakland in a doubleheader two days ago, both seven-inning games. The Twins didn't score a single run over the course of those two games. 
So then you're like, okay, well, I don't know what to expect for yesterday's game. Well, in yesterday's game, they put up 12 runs. So that's surprising, right? You know, 12 runs, like, you probably blew that team out, right? Wrong. You actually lost that game. And it's pretty miraculous. So they were winning in the ninth, and then they blew the lead. It went to extras. Well, okay, fine. This is where it gets interesting. With the rules of the MLB extra innings, they put the base runner at second, and that base runner is the person who made the last out of the previous inning. Well, in this case, it was Josh Donaldson, and Josh Donaldson has had some leg issues, so super manager Rocco Baldelli said, hey, we're not putting him at second because he's not a threat to run. Well, first of all, if he's not a threat to run, I don't understand how you even have him in the game because he played two days before that, he played the doubleheader, and then he played the whole game yesterday up until they took him out. They put Travis Blankenhorn in to pinch run. That meant that Josh Donaldson wasn't able to play defense in the bottom half of this inning. That was important. So let's get to it. At that point, it was 10-10. to Travis Blankenhorn at second, Byron Buxton up to bat. Byron Buxton hits a homer. Does it matter who's on second? Because you get to trot in. That's nice hindsight right there, but seriously, like, you didn't have to sub him out. And the main thing for me is, like, why are you shifting around everybody in your infield? So, yeah, the Twins are up 12 to 10 at that point. Travis Blankenhorn has to play second. They move Luis Arias to third because Blankenhorn doesn't play third. So if you're just throwing guys around, maybe you shouldn't have taken them out. And this is all hindsight because I know what happened, but it still cuts deep because it's still stupid at how they lost. So how does this happen? Well, Alex Colomay is out on the mound. They have a runner at second. Colomay walks a guy. And then he walks another guy. He manages to get two outs. And at this point, there's bases loaded. It doesn't matter because you're up two. So just get the final out and the game's over. He gets a ground ball, goes to Travis Blankenhorn, who, by the way, hasn't played yet this entire season. And you're putting him at second. It was a routine play. Ball made a weird hop on him, but honestly, very fluky. Just the fact that it was him, that it would happen to him, it's like, okay, well, what are you doing? Bobbles the ball, doesn't get anybody out, run scores. Okay, well, you're still up. So that's fine. But now you got to get another one. Well, what happens this time? Rocket grounder hit to Luis Arias at third. Fields it cleanly, steps, throws, airmails it. Goes 15 feet in the air. No chance of getting him at first. Goes over the first baseman's head. Runners were going on the pitch. So the guy at third scores, that ties the game. The guy at second easily scores because of how bad the throw was. So yeah, that's what I mean when I say that the Twins are outdoing themselves or outdoing the Timberwolves too. Like, what was that? You score 12 runs, 10 in regulation, and you don't win that game? I don't know what to say. I seriously don't. They are just one of the worst teams to watch right now. I hate it. They'll have a lead going into the 7th, the 8th, the ninth, and I have no confidence. They don't either. They don't want to win. or 
it's like they don't think they can. They think they have to give it back at that point. So yeah, uh, Twins are not good right now. They have six wins and a lot of losses. So not thrilled about that. I'm going to the game tomorrow. They're playing the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are nine and ten, and the Pirates suck. So the Twins should be able to beat the Pirates, but do not expect them to win. I don't. Ugh, just disgusting. Just three games of really bad baseball against Oakland, some bad baseball against the Angels, and going back even further to the Mariners and the Brewers, like, just not having a good time. So that's what's going on with the Twins. Well, I had fun doing this podcast. I don't enjoy talking about the manners in which the Twins decide to do their business, but yeah, I am happy to be back on the mic. Gonna try to do some more episodes here and there, but... That's all I got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll tune in for the next one.